The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. In our first half hour, we are going to talk about recovery. And we're actually going to talk to an amazing man who has written a book on recovery and has been through it himself. His name is Brian McAllister. He's founder of the Full Recovery Wellness Center in New Jersey. And he's dedicated to helping people who recover achieve spiritual, personal, and financial empowerment. And his book is Full Recovery, The Recovering Person's Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Power. And he's been through this journey on his own, and it's definitely a revolutionary holistic treatment and recovery program. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thank you. First, let's talk about why your center, the Recovery Wellness Center, is so successful and why it's revolutionary. How is it different from other programs? Well, if you look at at most of the programs that are out there, they're either one or or two ways. They either go into uh, medicated assistant treatment or they're a 12-step model. And, you know, there's a place for both in in the world of recovery. But what I found through my own experience is the the medicated assisted treatment really, um, it's a great business model because you have people who are uh, already predisposed to, to want to take medication, but it really doesn't solve the problem. And the 12-step model is a great way of life. It's a good spiritual way. It's a good way to put down the drink or the drug. But people find themselves asking themselves, now what do I do? How do I find out how to, what I'm good at, what my purpose is, uh, what I was put here to do? How am I going to get my finances, my relationships, my career? All these other um, things that make up for a full and prosperous life in order. And uh, when they don't figure out how to do that, it's quite often a major contributor to relapse. Mm-hmm. Now, you went through this in your own life, so yes. you've navigated the road to recovery, and you've been recovered for, what, 20, over 20 years? Yes, over 25 years. Mm, okay. What was the key for you, Brian, in your recovery? I mean, what was the key that really got you back on the road? Well, you know, again, I, I, I asked myself the same questions, you know, okay, I'm, I'm sober, what's next? I'm in recovery, what's next? I'm yeah. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm unemployable. I have no marketable skills. I have a, a family. I have a 10-year-old son. How am I going to figure this thing out? And the first main thing I did was I started asking myself better questions. Instead of, why did this happen to me? How come I never get a break? You know, all these weak-minded uh, questions that I was used to asking myself. I started asking myself different questions, like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? How am I staying sober? Um, what got me to this place? And, like, I started coming up with better answers. For example, how was I staying sober? Well, I was taking the suggestions from people who knew how to do and accomplish what I was trying to accomplish, which was how to get and stay sober. 
So I figured, would this work in other areas of my life, like finances, like career? And uh, that really led me down down the road to uh, to seeking out better solutions to the same type of problems that people right. in their own recovery I have. have. I have a question for you, Brian, because sure. I think this happens to all of us. It certainly happened to me. And whether you're in recovery or not, you know, we all have times in our life that are difficult. And when that happens, often what you just said, you go through, well, how come this happened to me? And how could I have let this happen? And if you let that voice go long enough, it really drags you down. You know, and, and instead of where am I now, it's like, why did this happen? And what did I do wrong? And all of that. My question is, how do you pull yourself out of that negative thinking, which can really bog you down? I mean, how do you just say, stop? That's my question. Well, you know, I actually learned that because I did get involved in a 12-step program to get sober. And when I did that, um, you know, part of it is living one day at a time. You know, and, when, and when I got into the one day at a time, if I found it much easier because I was getting my, my life into a, a, a rut one day at a time. I was making poor decisions and drinking and drugging to excess one day at a time. I took the same skill set that I had already developed um, and, and I turned it towards something positive. Instead of waking up and asking, why do I have to get out of bed? What am I going to do today? How am I going to pay the bills? I started asking myself, like, what can I do right this moment to improve my life? What can I do today to, to make an impact on somebody else's life? And I started coming up again with better answers. So it didn't happen overnight, but it really was I had developed some new, more empowering habits. And when I did that, my life started to change. Now, you went through a 12-step program. Correct. So my question is, do you suggest that? And is your program like that in some ways, or is it very different? No, you know what? I do believe in the 12-step model. I think that it's, it's a great way of life because really what it is, it's a spiritual, emotional, and physical disease addiction. And once you put down the drink or the drug, unless you could find some type of a, an emotional stability, a spiritual connection, it's very difficult when life gets tough. Because again, you're looking at life for the first time sober. Most people come in because they've hit what they call a bottom. Whether you know everybody's bottom is different depending on where they, where, you know, how low they want to go. But when you do that, unless you can have something to lean on, you know, which is I had no spiritual leanings at the time. I, I borrowed somebody else's so I could figure out my own. Um, that's, that's really the 12-step was a good way to get sober. But what happens is people get sober and their lives don't improve. You know, they still have uh, relationship issues. They still can't find meaningful employment. They still can't pay the bills. And, and when they don't figure out how to get this accomplished, typically they go back and say, well, I tried, you know, getting sober and it didn't work and I, I'm sober now and I'm still not happy. I might as well go back to what I know. And that's why most people, in my experience, relapse. And that's why we're different. Getting sober is really just the beginning of recovery. It's what you're going to do mm-hmm. with it that makes life an exciting adventure. And what would be one of those steps, Brian, right out of the gate? I mean, in terms of what you do with it. You know, let's say you're sober now, you're not drinking, you're not drugging, but you still have issues. What, what are some of the things? Should you put yourself on a schedule? Should you stay with your support group? I mean, what are some of the things you think you should do? Well, absolutely, I would keep a support group no matter what type of recovery you're in. Usually, most people can't do it alone. There's some type of help that's needed. And again, that's, that's the same, same way I got sober. But what happens then is the support group I was with was really no more uh, adept at becoming financially successful, for example, than I was. You know, they've never really, most of them were 
um, not highly educated, and the ones who were weren't highly motivated. They'd never really been able to accomplish much. So I took this same idea, and I said, okay, what would I attempt today if I knew I couldn't fail, if I knew success was guaranteed? That gave me a clue as to which direction I should be heading, what my interests really were. What would I do for something beyond money? What would I do for fun? And when I started asking myself these types of questions, and these are the types of, of roads we go down with the people uh, that we work with. I'll give you an example. We had a gentleman, and he was, uh, you know, we picked him up from actually from the psych ward, and he was there for quite a while, and he, had, you know, he was put there because of his behavior. When he came out, I noticed he was highly intellectual. He's reading a lot of books. So I said to him, I said, like, you know, what do you do? Winds up he's got a master's degree from the London School of Economics. He's brilliant. Wow. And as we start going through the situation, you know, like, well, what made, you know, what, what made you go into that line of work? How, how can you like finance? As we started peeling away the onion, he hated finance. Never liked it at all. Went into it because his family had prodded him into that direction. They had told him from the time he was young to be successful. You have to be a Wall Street guy. To be, you know, be anything good, you have to be in finance. You have to be important. And this is very common with a lot of the people we run into. They're not being true to themselves. So we got into the, the meat of the matter. Like, well, what do you like to do? And as we worked with him for a while, he discovered, you know, he says, you know, I like being outdoors. I like being in the woods. I like the environment. He could do anything he wants. He's brilliant, this guy. So as we got down to it, he wound up, he left us, and he became a well driller. He started a company in North Africa, and he's over there on an environmental mission, and, he, and he's drilling. He says, I'm not, I'm not a multimillionaire, but I'm living quite comfortably. I've never been happier in my life. And that's kind of what it's about, to thine own self be true, as Shakespeare said. Trying to figure out what, what your purpose is, what makes you feel good about being you, and then giving people the skill set to turn it into reality. You know, when you look back, and, and I know we haven't talked about your story of recovery, and you can certainly give us a quick synopsis if you'd like, but I think the main question is, I know you went through a lot, and you hit mm-hmm. bottom. My question is, um, what did you learn from that? I mean, what, what's the most valuable lesson you learned that you think is really helping you now and helping other people? Is that we're resilient people, that just because I'm feeling a certain way right now doesn't mean it's going to last forever. You know, I don't want to quit before the miracle happens. I want to stay in the game. I want to keep moving forward. And that's part of it. Like, even the, the worst things that have happened to me, and I've had some pretty horrific stuff. I've been laid up for years at a time. I've almost had my leg removed. I, I broke my back. I've had a traumatic brain injury. All what I was using wrecked my motorcycle. Mm-hmm. But the deal is, even those things, now I'm putting to good use. Because I can have empathy for somebody else who's, who's struggling. I could show them that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I could show them that there are certain steps that you can take and certain new habits you can create that will make you feel good about just about any situation you've ever been in. And I know it's true because I've done it myself. Yeah, incredible. How long have you had the full recovery wellness center, Brian? We've only had the wellness center for three years, and our our success rate is off the charts because we're not doing more of what's not working. So tell us what you're doing. Take us through a day. Take us through a day. Uh, well, well, typically when, when a client comes in, first, you know, they, they go through an assessment. But when they come in for, for, for their daily um, uh, class, we'll call it, the first thing we do is we, we, we talk to them. We want to know it's not about us. It's not about us telling you how to live. It's trying to get you to open up and feel your feelings. Because most people who are drinking and drugging over an extended period of time have no feelings. They've, they've deadened their emotions to the point where they're, they're almost mocus all the time. So we get into how you feel physically, how you feel mentally, how you feel emotionally, and then what's your goal for the day. Because 
alcoholics and addicts are more people. That's how they became alcoholics and addicts. Too much of everything's not enough. So what are you mm-hmm. going to do with that, 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 that mm-hmm. feeling? What, which direction are you going to point it at? And that's the important part. That's the missing part. You just can't stay sober. You've got to keep pushing forward or you start slipping backwards. Hmm. So if someone comes in, you do an assessment, and then, then what? Are there, do you have groups, or do you do kind we of have, therapy yeah, counseling? No, we have, we have, go, ahead. go ahead. We have group. We have, um, you know, we do meditation. We do prayer. A lot of these folks have PTSD. It's amazing how many um, that, have, you know, they've been sexually abused. They've put themselves in, in risky situations. They've had trauma of one type or another. So they work with a clinician one-on-one. They work with a career counselor. So, like, there's a lot. It, 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 no two days are exactly the same, and it depends on the client. Each client, it's not a cookie-cutter approach. Each client goes to the group, but then they have their own individual treatment plan that we work on. Mm-hmm. How is this funded, Brian? It's, pri- it's all private pay. We take nothing from any, uh, you know, any government entity. Everything's either through insurance or private pay. Mm-hmm. For, from from the client, from the person. From the client, person. correct. From the client or from their from their health insurer, which is also another issue because health insurers really don't want to pay for any of this, even though it's you know it's costing our country right now six hundred and sixty billion with a B a year mm-hmm. in lost wages, prison costs, uh, you know, medical costs for, mm-hmm. for this, this current addiction epidemic we're dealing with right now. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Brian McAllister, who is the founder of the Full Recovery Wellness Center, and that is also the name of his book, is Full Recovery. And Brian, how can people find you on the website? You can go to either brianmcallister.com or fullrecoverywellnesscenter.com. And if anybody wants, I'd be happy even to give out my personal email because I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And if somebody needs help, I'd like to make sure that I'm there to reach back out. Okay, go ahead and do that, and then we're going to take a break. It's McAllister at full-recovery.com. All right. And when we come back, Brian's going to talk about his three-step template for goal-setting success. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com. And my guest is Brian McAllister, author of Full Recovery, The Recovering Person's Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Power. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. 
the Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. My guest is Brian McAllister, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Full Recovery, the Recovering Person's Guide to Unleashing inner, Your Inner Power. And he also uh, is the director and founder of a center called Full Recovery Wellness Center in New Jersey. He is dedicated to helping recovering people achieve spiritual, personal, and financial empowerment. He's been through recovery, he's been to the bottom of the barrel, and he's helping thousands of people. Welcome back, Brian. Thank you. Okay, all right. And, and the website is full is full recovery, full-recovery.com. All right. So when we were last talking, you were talking about how, you know, that this, you're, that this area of treatment is not covered enough by insurance. And so you've created, talk more about that. I know you're creating a, a petition. Yeah, I have a petition out right now on change.org, and it's because I see people falling through the cracks every day. They have excellent health care. They have health insurance. They have a... Uh, even out of network benefits. And when, when it comes down to uh, showing up for treatment, they're denied coverage. Or they have a 30-day treatment you know, allotment in their coverage, and they get two, three, four, five days, which isn't enough. We, it takes longer than that to, to break. Statistics show us that it takes as little as 30 days to break a habit and 90 days to create a new habit. So mm-hmm. if we can get people some treatment. You know, and, and, and give them enough time to not just detox, but develop some new, more empowering ways of living. Uh, we, can, we can save a lot of lives. Last year, 47,000 people died of overdose in this country. So there's a lot of people out there suffering. Mm, wow. So the petition actually is on change.org, and it's, and it's health, telehealth insurers to put people ahead of profits. And that's really what it's all about. And if I can get 100,000 signatures or so on this, which I believe we can, it's only been up a a short time. We've got just 1,600 up, but that's in no time at all. I'll take it to the president. I'll take it to Washington. I'll take it to every governor, anybody who will listen. And we can help put together families, put them back, you know, back into healthy, healthy mode. 
Very important. And so, how do people assign that for you? What do if they you do? Just, if you can, you can go to, to uh, fullrecoverywellnesscenter.com and just click on the change.org petition and put in your name, and, and that's all it requires. And anybody who signs my petition, I'm going to give them a free download of my best-selling book. So I, I, as, as a way of saying thank you, I'm invested in this. I'm investing my own money, my own time, because I see... I see what happens when people don't get treatment. My own sister died of a drug overdose. I got treatment. She didn't. I'm here helping other people. I'm here having a productive life. I'm a father, a husband, an entrepreneur, and an author. And my sister didn't, and, and she is no longer with us. I see the same thing happening every day, and we've got to stop it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Boy. Compelling. Very compelling, Brian. You're doing very important work. So let's talk now about your three-step template for goal-setting success. Well, you know, if if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. So alcoholics and addicts especially need something to strive for. And I noticed very on in my own early recovery that, you know, there's very few people who can develop that intense single-minded focus that an alcoholic or an addict have. You know, when they want their drug, when they want their self-destructive behavior, they'll go to any length to get it. So what we do is we show people that that that's actually a gift. And if you point that in the right direction and you combine that with your goals and you're able to stay sober, there's no stopping you, and that's what we do. So we call it our GPS system, our Goal Produce Success System. Just like the automobile you know, navigation system, it points you in the right direction and gets you there in the shortest amount of time. That's what our Goals Produce Success System really does, too. <clears throat> but the deal is life begins so at a level of action. When you take a goal and you write it down, that's the first action step towards turning it into reality. So everything we do at, at the center is, is very measurable. It's, it's, just not, it's just not to talk about it and feel good. It's, just, it's so we can measure the result. Are you getting closer or further away? So when people do, we, first, you know, there's a whole bunch of processes that go before we actually ask people to put down their goals. But when they do, um, they go through, they figure out what makes them tick, what motivates them, how to get inspired. Then they put their goals down. You know, think about this. Go to the, shop, the supermarket, you know, and go there if you look in your refrigerator. Nine out of ten times, if you don't write it down on the list, you come home with a bunch of things you didn't go there for and forgot a lot of the things that you really needed. If you take the same situation, you write down what you're trying to accomplish. You come home every time you have exactly what you went there for. It's in your basket, and you didn't overspend, and you didn't go off, off, off the plan. So what we do when we get people to put down their goals is, number one, they have to be emotional. They just can't be like, I want to make more money. It's got to be a set amount. It's got to have a measurable outcome to it. And then you also have to get, we're more motivated by, by, as people by our emotions. And everything we do when you break it down to the lowest common denominator is either to avoid pain or to gain pleasure. So we, we make people uh, write down exactly emotionally what they have to gain by, by, by accomplishing their goals and, what, and what, they have, what they're trying to avoid by changing a poor habit that they had in the past. And that's really this, you know, it's, it's a whole process. It would take too long to get into it right now. But in a nutshell, that's how, you, that's how we do it. It's an emotional goal that you're trying to accomplish. 
And then if you take this goal and you just put it, like, let's face it, people get into the New Year's Eve habit. They, they write down their goal, I'm going to stop smoking. Then they put it in their top dresser drawer and don't open it up till next year and wonder why they haven't stopped smoking. Yes. You know, you have to get emotional with it. You have to know why you're doing it. You have to internalize it. We have hypnosis. We have a lot of different, th- different modalities that we use to help people get down to the subconscious level. And then you have to keep it in front of you. You have to keep it in your face. You have to read it daily. You have to have it on your computer. It has to become part of your subconscious world. Because when you get to that point, that's how you not just stay sober. That's how you start creating a new empowered life. And that's what we do. We create habits, better habits of thought and action. Really, really important. Tell us, um, Brian, tell us a story. Give us a success, a, a success story of one of the people or one or more of the people who've come through your center. Well, I'll give you a real good. I have a, a gentleman who works at my center. We'll call him Bill W. It's, coincidentally, that's his initials, and that's the name of the guy who, who uh, wrote The 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Bill was our 30-year heroin addict. He was shooting heroin. He had been in and out of jail. He'd been in through 17 other treatment programs. He was actually from a wealthy background, but his family had disowned him. Uh, I started working with him about five and a half years ago. Uh, because he was going back to jail again. He was on his 50 UI, and, you know, he just, he was 50, I think he was 52, 53 years old at the time. Anyway, he he comes in, we start working with him. He was very similar to the gentleman I told you about earlier. His father was was a banker in finance and told him that, you know, the only way to be a success was to be a banker, to be in finance, to make lots of money. This guy's a very creative guy. He was uh, more into, he liked writing, he liked sports, he liked things like that. So as we started getting down to the nitty-gritty of what made Bill tick, and we figured out, you know, what would make him feel good about being Bill, and we got him off all his medication because he was on five different antidepressants, antipsychotics, all these other things. Oh. So it winds up that he's actually, this guy's living like a homeless guy. He's actually mm-hmm. quite bright. He's brilliant. He's got a better memory than me. He, he, he wound up going back to school. He decided he liked working with people and helping people. He got a computer, became computer literate, got his teaching, his uh, counseling degree, and now he works at the Full Recovery Wellness Center. He's got five and a half years sober. He's 58 years old. And uh, he's become a contributing member of society. And all that hard living he did, he's able to help clients who walk in all banged up like he was and let them know that, hey, look, it, miracles happen. I'm sitting here. I've been to jail. I've been to treatment. I've been in, I've been in uh, the psych ward. He goes, and here I am now. I'm sober five and a half years. I'm having a wonderful life. I'm contributing to the betterment of society. He even has his driver's license back, and he's dating a, a lovely woman who owns her own business. Here's a man who's living on the street, and the mm. deal is miracles happen. There are no throwaway people, you know, and alcoholics and addicts, when given the right, the right treatment and an opportunity to thrive, can really become resilient and successful, and we see it every day. Now he works for us. And don't, don't you think, Brian, that the, you could say the same thing about incarceration? There are so Absolutely. many people incarcerated, they end up worse, and if they just had this kind of help, they could really make something of themselves. I volunteer at the prison that's in my community. Yeah. I volunteer there on Wednesday nights. And as a matter of fact, Bill W., the gentleman I'm talking about, comes with me. And we talk to inmates who, again... Most of them are alcoholics and addicts. That's why they're in the situation they're in. The problem with incarceration is when the sentence is over, the the, the problem still exists. They're still alcoholics and drug addicts. They have no treatment. So we go in there and we show them there's a better way, and we give them a program of action. As a matter of fact, there's three or four uh, stories in my book about uh, 
prisoners that I work with and what they're doing now. And if you read them, you will just be blown away. They're natural business people. They're natural entrepreneurs. They can handle risk, you know, things like that that a lot of people can't handle. They're, right. they're driven people. So it's a great, it's a great way of, of, of living. And everybody, I believe that everybody deserves forgiveness and everybody deserves a second chance. Wow, fabulous. Closing thoughts. We're just about out of time. Closing, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? I think you already did about everyone deserves a second chance, but go ahead. What's your, what's your message? My message is that people can and do recover. People that were keeping incarcerated could be productive, tax-paying members of society rather than people who are just sucking off of society. These are mostly broken people, and addiction is a, is a physical, a mental, emotional, and spiritual disease. They, they, they say that 65% of addiction is, is uh, in our DNA. So the idea, just like the color of my hair, my father was an alcoholic, I was an alcoholic. Other things get passed down, different traits. So think about it. People are allergic to peanuts. It's like an allergy to, to mind-altering substances. So the idea is try to show some empathy and compassion, but for the grace of God, it could have happened to anyone. Absolutely. And with the proper motivation and, and, and just a, a, a minuteness of open-mindedness, we can help people that have an addiction problem and they can become productive Americans once again. Thank you so much, Brian. It was so inspirational to have you on the program. Thank you, Patricia. God All right. bless. All right, hold on for a minute. All right, Brian, uh, Brian McAllister, best-selling author of Full Recovery, The Recovering Person's Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Power. Write to full-recovery.com. And you can write to Brian personally, B. McAllister, M-C-A-L-I-S-T-E-R, at full-recovery.com. And he is also the founder of the Full Recovery Center. Is that the correct name? Full, Full Recovery, Recovery Center? Wellness Center. All right. And you can look that up as well. Thanks so much, Brian. It was really wonderful. Stay on the line for a minute. Oh, it's terrific. All right. Next interview is coming up next right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, the Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.